So today, my guest is Kalina Powell. Kalina is a young entrepreneur who loves helping people with their personal growth, as well as educating others about the deaf community. So you're going to hear in our interview today, Kalina actually became deaf when she was four years old. So there was a lot of fear and transition and self-doubt that she had to work through as she figured out how to navigate this new scenario and become her own best advocate. So now she encourages others to be self-advocates and also be very aware of inclusion and best practices for that. So it's a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to The Inspired Wave, stories of everyday heroines, real life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, CJ Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact, and together, we'll create a wave of change. Join us. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you heard, I have Kalina with me today, and this is going to be a really inspiring conversation, I can tell. So Kalina, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So uh, before we really get into your story, would you like to share where you currently are living or anything additional about yourself that we didn't hear in your, your bio? I am in the cold. I'm from Canada, Toronto. So yeah, it's very cold where I'm at. <laughs> Yes, and it's starting to warm where I am. So I'm thankful to be in the north, but a little south of where you are, my friend. (laughs) So as you heard in the introduction, Kalina is deaf. And she actually was born with hearing. So Kalina, why don't you tell us, you know, how old you were and what happened for you to start losing your hearing? Definitely. So I would, I had an ear infection. My doctor gave my mom eardrop for me so that my ear can get better. The next day, and within not the next day, probably the next couple of days, and my mom went to the daycare. I was attending daycare at the time to tell them, like, hey, like, Kalina had an eardrop due to an ear infection. I would like you to follow this instruction. However, they did not follow the instruction. The same day that they did not follow the instruction, I'm at home and I was watching TV. I didn't realize it was really loud. My mom tapped me on my shoulder and she said, Kalina, I've been calling you. And I jumped. And my mom looked at me like, and I looked at my mom dead in the face and I said, I cannot hear you. And she thought I was joking. And I looked at her again and she's like, and she waved her head. And I'm like, huh? And then she called my grandmother panicking because my grandma was a nurse at the time. Uh-huh. My grandma went home from the hospital. Did, she did assessment with me. I had no idea what she was doing. Uh-huh. And she looked at my mom and she said something. And my mom was like really mad. 
And she's like, are you kidding? Like she, and I don't know what happened afterward. And all I remember was that the next day I was sitting at the family doctor office and I see my mom's her face was shocked. My grandma's face was shocked. And that's when the doctor knocked and said, I'm sorry, Kalina's death. Oh my gosh. Now you were how old when this happened? Four years old. And you clearly, even though you were just four, remember everything that happened because it was traumatic for you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So what do you remember most right after that? How did you move forward? What happened right after that event? Right after that event, I knew I was feeling lost, confused, why I could not hear. And I would say the very next day, we went to an audiologist. And I had no idea why I was here. Imagine, I still could not hear at the four years old. I'm looking around, confused. I'm looking at the t- hearing aid and I'm like, this for me. I'm like, why am I here? And I started crying. I was crying a lot. Yeah. Because I couldn't hear. And my grandma would try to, you know, provide me with donuts, hot chocolate, just to, you know, to cheer me up a little bit. And my audiologist gave me a teddy bear with a hearing aid on it to ch- describe to me what's happening. Uh-huh. And I was looking at the teddy bear like, is this going to be me? And the audiologist said, yes. And the next couple, I would say a week passed by. I went to so many audiologists. I went to different specialists. I think I saw another specialist. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there and I was confused again. And then they, the audiologist passed me something, which is a very small hearing aid. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I said, is this a toy? And so my family looked at me and said, no, you need to put it in your ears. When I put it in the ear, there's a ringing sound in the hearing aid. Uh-huh. So I didn't like the sound of it. I took it out quickly. And I was really mature for a four years old. Uh-huh. And I was speaking and everything. And mm-hmm. I said, no, I don't want it. It's threw in the garbage. I don't know. I don't know. My mom came and the audiologist tried again. She holds my hand together, put the hearing aid in my ears, and I was like shaking my head. And then I don't know how they managed for my hearing aid to be in my ear, but they did eventually. So that is how it happened. Oh, my goodness. So did the ringing go away or do you just get used to it? I get used to it. Ooh. And did it help you to hear a little bit at that point? Yes, it did. Okay. Wow. You must have been, you said you were crying a lot. You had to be terrified. Because you couldn't hear, like they couldn't, they couldn't tell you, they couldn't write, write you a letter because you were four. Oh my goodness. So no wonder you remember what happened. So tell us a little bit then about what this meant for your schooling and the challenges you had, you know, moving forward after, after that. So, because I was four, I would, my mom would already register me for school. And she wanted to register me for a hearing school five minutes away from my house. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case. They wouldn't so allow it? Yes. My family had to change the whole plan for me to go to school. And my audiologist recommended me to start up going to a deaf school just for me to be around and be comfortable in my own skin with different deaf students. 
So I went to a deaf school in the morning and then I went to a hearing school in the afternoon. So I would transition in two different schools, Monday to Friday, and it was very hard because I was a different person in two different communities. I felt like I was more comfortable in the deaf community mm-hmm. and I was more, and I was not comfortable at all in the hand community. Mm-hmm. And I was so confused because I was seeing two different communities and I said, how come I can't fit in both communities? Mm. So did you feel like you fit in in the deaf school? You were comfortable. You were at home there. Yes, I was. Okay. And so what were the challenges when you went over to the hearing school? The challenges were that, one, there was no student that looked like me, so I was confused even more. Second, teachers did not know. I didn't catch that. There was, number one, there was no what? No student that looked like me. So I was not able to kind of be comfortable because I was so used to seeing a deaf student. And so when I went to hand school, it was like, who do I communicate with? And the communication was really different in the hearing community because I either had two options, like sign language, or I could able to do things with my hand to get, it was really cool. But in the deaf, in the hearing school, I was not able to do that. And the teachers didn't know how to accommodate me because they never met a student that was deaf before. Okay. And there wasn't a guide that got handed to them so they could get it right, I guess. There, yeah. There were no instructions. So how did you, I mean, you're, you're communicating very well and seemingly easily now with me, how did you learn to communicate with the students in the hearing school? I honestly, I had to learn it in the hard way. So when I was young, I really just had to lip read and I had to tell the student to face me consistently. Yeah. And I had teachers, you know, always see me during recess. I noticed that they will put me on the side and ask me, are you okay? Are you comfortable? How can we help? And so I was able to get myself out there a little bit, not so much, but because of my friends, well, my best friend now, they actually the one that kind of pulled me, I would say, and said, hey, come Kalina, let's play this game. And I was so nervous because I felt like I wouldn't fit in. And, you know, thanks to my best friend, they pushed me and said, no, Kalina, you can still do anything. And so if it wasn't for my best friend, I would not be so sociable when I was younger. So they kind of helped me in a way. So it's more my friend than teachers. Mm. Well, that makes sense because as a child, or certainly by the time you're a preteen, you don't want the teacher's extra attention you want to be able to hang with your peers, the people your age, even though you were feeling like you didn't fit in in the beginning. So that was, I think you said that started in like second grade or the going back and forth with the two schools. Was that all along? No, it actually started in grade two or grade three. Okay. If I remember. And did you go to both schools all the way through high school? 
Yes. Okay. So did it get easier over time? It did get easier over time, yeah. Okay. Quite. Boy, it's so hard at those early impressionable years, too. That whole self-esteem thing, it's hard. Although there are plenty of kids without any kind of disability that struggle with that whole fitting in thing. It's a Kids can be so challenging. It can be really exactly. hard. So tell us what happened or, you know, did you have any takeaways from those school years that might help somebody else who's struggling with not fitting in or not being able to advocate for themselves or not getting the support they feel like they need? or probably listening, it might be a parent listening instead of a child, but what would you like people to know about that time period that you learned or would have made things easier for you? I would say that it's super important for the first student, so for students, and I have different advice for parents. The first student, I would say that it's okay not to be okay. And second thing is you really have to I know a lot of students may not want to hear that. I did not when I was younger. It's okay not to be okay. And also, too, don't forget that your peer can be your biggest support. And it's very important to get your stuff out there. It's not easy, but once you do get your stuff out there, you're going to feel more comfortable and you will gain more confidence. Right. That's And for, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say from your story, it sounds like it really, truly just takes that one youth, that one person that extends a hand to make things a little bit easier anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And for parents, I would say that I would advocate for your child. You know, I know it can be difficult, especially with family, you know, because you need family support as well for your child. Always have open discussion of how can your family be acceptable in terms of preparing your child when they go to school. That's mm -hmm. very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard, I would say, as a parent, you don't know what you don't know. So if it's something you haven't lived through, I mean, absolutely, you can educate yourself. There's lots of resources, especially you know, with the internet being so available, there's so many resources and experts out there that you can check in with. I would say from my experience, which is as a parent with special needs kids, I would say to listen to your gut and not always not always assume that every person you're dealing with as an authority knows what's best for your child um, because I've seen that come up for a lot of people and it always goes back to ooh I should have listened you know that inner knowing that that didn't feel right so well clearly you did okay getting through all those years because I understand that you went on to university is that right yes I did <laughs> okay so tell us about that and your young adult experience now. What did you study and how did that go? So I graduated from psychology mm -hmm. and my experience with that was very, it was okay. 
with a lot more, with more people who are more aware of disability and inclusion and advocacy, but with a lot more than middle school and elementary school. Right. And I had one story, I have one story. I had one teacher who, it was, I was in my first year and it was a music class. I read the outline and it said, you will be listening to music. So I do have difficult time listening to music sometimes. And he provided the test required listening. So I give him my commendation and I said, I won't be able to participate in the test. Is there any way I could do the test? And he did not bother accommodating me at all. And the very difficult challenge I had to do was go back to my disability counselor and say, I can't drop out of this course because you have a deadline of being in the course because Right. So it was bullshit. I couldn't drop out. And it was a waste of money. I'm not going to lose my money. <laughs> so, and she you. was saying, she tried to reach out to him herself uh -huh. and explaining my accommodation. He did not even bother replying to her email. Yes. And I ended up filling the course. And yes, I ended up filling the course. And however, me and my my disability counselor, we went to the head of the university and we wanted to put the report in, uh -huh. allow me to drop the course without receiving a grade. So that way it doesn't affect my GPA because that's not fair for me. Why should I get a filling grade if two people try to accommodate me, myself and a disability counselor? Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. And uh, the department was really upset and they were so like they were embarrassed and they were devastated for me and so luckily i got the course job out of my scratch grip and mm -hmm. i was good to go and yeah so that was a very challenge i had to go through in my university year wow did that affect your confidence in advocating moving forward since that worked out for you I would say no, because it taught me that not every teacher or professor are aware of how to accommodate students, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that there are going to be other professors like that one professor. Right, right. And it was very funny because my second professor I had, he's actually also deaf. He passed the lecture. He said, one second, I have to change my hair and a battery joined the lecture. No one knew he was deaf. I didn't know he was deaf. It was very interesting. And he changed his hair and body during the lecture. It was very, for me, it was inspiring because I never met a deaf teacher in my life. That was the first time. And him and I had a small talk. It was something I needed, you know, for university lifestyle. And he gave, really gave me a really amazing advice on how to walk through university and always, you know, kind of be mindful of the hearing community and don't feel like every professor of the thing. And I did tell him my story about my music teacher. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, there's going to be some professors like that, but you're going to have to work hard and continue. Mm -hmm. Good for you. So was that, were there any other instances where you had to advocate for more accommodations or anything else that came up in those years? No takers. Note-taker was not easy because a lot of note-takers take different notes during lecture. 
and throw their thumb note taker where they record and then they would type it up and then send it to me. Time time they're sent it to me a day or a day late or two days late. But I'm really flexible. But I remember I had this one note taker and I had to report this one. She was not doing her part. I understand like it was a free job, but if someone who is definitely accommodating them, your notes are not matching to the slideshow and you're talking about something else. And it would I had to like get a new note note taker right away. And it would, unfortunately, I had to wait a week, actually, to get a new note taker. Oh boy. So I do, I do tell people, you know, when you get to university, always look at your notes, because you never know when you need them for exams. Right. Yeah, don't wait till the last minute. Exactly. Got it. I needed that advice in college. <laughs> <laughs> I would fall asleep on my notes and couldn't read them when I went back to look at them right before a test. Yeah. <laughs> Good advice for everybody. So tell us what you would like to share as far as inclusion and being aware if we are, I mean, I think it could relate to special needs in general, but especially if you are trying to relate to hire or educate someone who's deaf what would you like us to know about that i would say um that i would do your research on who you're working with because everybody's needs are different everybody always thinks that because you meet one person who had a disability mm -hmm. it means their needs going to be the same thing as the next person that's not true everybody's needs are different i would do your research always ask I feel like a lot of times people are so scared to ask about how can you accommodate the person. Right. So it's very important to ask or even be like, how may I help you with something? Mm -hmm. Instead of just assuming a lot of time. And then there's a lot of people assume that I know ASL, sign language. And I said, no, I don't know it. So a lot of people <laughs> always think I knew ASL. I said, no. Not every deaf person you're going to meet knows my right. language. So that is the perfect example, especially not just for the deaf community, but in general with everybody else. Yeah, I was just thinking, yes, that sounds like advice I've given often in different scenarios. But if you are well-meaning, there's nothing wrong with asking what do you need or how can I do this better? Or, you know, just in a work environment, do you have what you need to be successful? That should be asked of any employee. And so there's nothing wrong if there's a disability to be really clear. It's better to be really clear so that the communication is going both ways and there's an open environment to foster that communication. So everybody's willing and able to bring something up if there's an issue, I guess. This would be a valuable environment to foster. So I understand now you do some speaking and advocacy. What does that entail or what are some of your favorite topics to speak on? My favorite topic to speak on is how to be inclusive and secondly, uh, mental health. 
I do want people to know and understand that they're not alone, even if they have a disability. Mm-hmm. And as well, I'd want to speak on how to use social media. I know a lot of people are not susceptible on social media. And a lot of people ask me, like, hey, Tamina, how can you hear on social media? So I share some tools and advice on social media. Oh, right. Because there's a lot of sound that's part of social media now. That's right. Okay, so what would be another takeaway if we haven't covered everything that you'd like people to have as far as fostering a more inclusive environment, whether it's school or a workplace? I would just say that I would use closed caption. I know a lot of people are not aware of that. It's very important to have that, even if it's even if you don't know the person that is done, but you also truth, be mindful that there might be people who speak different languages. They may not understand. Mm-hmm. And as well, always be really mindful because not everybody thinks the same and everybody has their own opinion on different things. So I realize that a lot of people have different expectations. Mm-hmm. That is, again, applicable in so many situations. <laughs> don't assume. You know what everybody's thinking. That is great advice. Thank you, Kalina. Well, this has been a great conversation. If somebody has questions or would like to get in touch, where can they find out more about you? Everybody can find more about me on my website, which is kalinaempowerment.com. I do have my email at the bottom of the website. And if you have any questions, you're more than welcome to ask me questions. Super. Well, we will definitely include that in the show notes so everyone can go back and get it if you're driving or what have you. So thank you for sharing so much great information with us today, Kalina. I appreciate you and your time. And I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Make it a great day. If you're like most women... You have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy.